This is the Bob Dylan Show. <laughs> Papa was a Rolling Stone. You didn't sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to... Hey. Hey, hey, welcome to hey, another hey, episode. we're the monkeys. No, we are not the monkeys. Okay. Well, and well, we were, I guess, at some point, but <laughs> then we evolved and became not the monkeys. What did we evolve into? E- emus? The Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rob Minot, and joining me today, as usual, is Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And uh, we have an empty seat. Steve, again, is out in jury duty. Oh, my. Yes. Uh, I wish I had this recording equipment when I was like 12. This would have been <laughs> awesome. I could have made the best radio plays. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Different voices for different characters. Yeah. Kids got it so good these days. You got mm-hmm. so many great toys to play with and you can... The kids are getting iPads when they're two. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. What'd you have? Lego? Yeah. Or exactly. Tinker Toys? Yep. Tinker Toys. Yeah. yeah. It's not about boring. Mm-hmm. Pick up sticks. Yeah. Here's <laughs> have some sticks and a rubber ball. Go go wild. Jacks. Yeah, we had jacks. to make our own fun. Like we, we did. Well, we went out and played. Yeah. We rode our bikes down mm-hmm. the street and then had, like, somebody throw wet sponges at us. <laughs> and that was a game. <laughs> we used to use, we used to raise popsicle sticks down the little curbs when after it rained. The water would be running down the street. Mm-hmm. So we'd raise popsicle sticks or toothpicks. Yeah. See? Make we used fun, our imagination. Right? Yeah. We did. Just, we played with garbage and we liked it. <laughs> but well, we do have a guest today. We do have a guest today. Uh, who is it, Ryan? His name is Brian Hartgen. He's involved in a company called Hartgen Consultancy, which makes what product, Ryan? It makes JSAY, JDictate, Lisi, and also is a JAWS script writer. So, and uh, for those who don't know, who maybe not aren't in the blindness community, uh, tell us a little bit about JAWS. JAWS is a screen reader for the blind that gives blind and visually impaired users access to the Windows environment. So great. So yeah, we're going to be talking to Brian here in a few minutes. Um, And I guess we don't really have anyone to thank for the last episode. But we do have two people to thank who keep sharing us and liking us on Facebook. Oh, yes. Albert and Tom. They keep liking our Facebook posts and sharing with their Facebook friends and family. So I want to send a thank you to those two. Word up. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the show. Good night, everybody. (laughs) All right. So, we're very pleased to have today as a guest, uh, Brian Hartgen with Hartgen Consultancy. Now, what, what is actually your, your title, Brian? 
Uh, I'm the co-owner of Hartran Consultancy. We're a small company based in the United Kingdom. Uh, there are only two of us, but uh, fortunately for us, we have uh, a customer base which is worldwide and has um, uh, quite a number of uh, thousands of users who um, work with our products. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we here at Roga Technologies. I mean, we've we've sort of had a long-standing relationship with you um, and the JSA product in particular. Um, but I think this is this is the first time that we've really sort of sat down and, and chatted with you. Yes, I think it is. And uh, I've been very familiar with uh, Eroga's work for some time now. And uh, it's always uh, a good opportunity to, um, uh, to to reach out to organizations and companies such as yourselves and uh, to have a good chat about technology. And uh, I look forward to being able to do that today. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's sort of nice to, to finally chat. So I guess to start out, uh, we're kind of interested in a bit about your background and just how you got um, started with HeartGen and, you know, what, what some of your credentials and experience was coming in. Sure. Um, I'm a, a totally blind person myself. Um, when I was about uh, 11 or 12, I uh, was noticing, uh, particularly among uh, my brother's friends, and indeed my brother himself, that uh, um, sighted uh, teenagers, um, this was in the early 80s, actually were um, enjoying playing computer games. These were uh, TV module games at the time. Um, and um, computers such as the, we had the BBC Micro over here in the UK and the ZX Spectrum. Uh, but there was um, products like the Commodore 64 and so on. Um, people were able to play um, space invader type games and adventure games uh, on those. And I thought it'd be a great idea to start to learn how to program and write similar games for blind people. So my first project was actually to write a Space Invader-like game uh, containing audio cues. Now, I was about 12 or 13 wow. by this point. Um, and uh, people seemed to like it. And then I went on to adventure games and things like that. And then... Um, I left college uh, subsequently, just fast forwarding quite a bit, and um, had uh, a number of um, employment opportunities. But then I started teaching computing to people in a rehabilitation environment. So people who were not only visually impaired, but also people who had other challenges such as uh, brain injury or physical dexterity difficulties. And this really put me on the road to having an interest in assisting people who are blind and who have additional difficulties. And I was very interested. It was a magazine in the early 2000s, I think, um, by, uh, hosted by Dean Martineau called Sound Computing. Okay. And Dean, uh, he's from the US. He actually uh, produced an article about how to use JAWS with Dragon Naturally Speaking. And it was very rudimentary <laughs> access at that time. Um, 
it was it was actually quite difficult for a person to be able to use these programs in combination with each other. Mm-hmm. While all this was going on, um, I developed a, a personal interest in creating um, configuration files for screen readers. I started out with window eyes and I wrote some set files as they were called for various audio production packages because I'm quite into audio production. And then I graduated, if you like, to JAWS scripting. So um, that's probably more of an explanation than you wanted. But um, I have been uh, working with JAWS scripts now for about uh, 16 years. I've taken the uh, advanced scripting course at Freedom Scientific in Florida. And uh, what I do now, apart from um, uh, assisting uh, my wife, because we're we're both owners of the company, in developing products which exclusively rely upon JAWS, such as JC. But a lot of my work involves traveling to different parts of the UK and scripting applications where JAWS does not ordinarily work right out of the box. Um, so it could be a call center, um, it could be uh, a legal a legal firm. Uh, anything really, I, I I never know quite where <laughs> I'm going to end up. But it's very rewarding work, and uh, it's it's obviously challenging because you don't know how accessible the application is going to be. So, what is that process, Brian? When it comes to writing a JAWS script, I'm totally blind myself, and I've looked at the JAWS scripting manual, and I've thought about trying to write scripts because here at Aroga. We have a package we use called um, Sage Accounting. And oh, I'm very familiar with that. Are you? And I have to use it for doing quotes and orders for our customers. And I've had to use Hotspot Clicker to make it more accessible than it was out of the box. Yes. And so, like I said, looking at the scripting manual, I'm not a programmer, and it's just way over my head. So kind of, you know, how did you... What made you decide to go into the JAWS scripting? Was it just the flexibility of the package versus doing set files or? Yes, that was uh, ultimately what it was. Um, I wanted to be able to do more than at the time the window eyes uh, set file creation process was offering. Uh, Again, this was back in the late 90s. It's very different now. And so uh, there was um, a, a manual which accompanied JAWS version Mm 3.7, as it was then. And it was written by a guy called Ken Gould. Now, um, apart from the fact that I've never had any formal tuition in programming as such, um, what Ken was able to do was to explain it in a very narrative manner. He he was uh, he what he did was explain the concepts very well, and he gave you real world examples, things you could try out, um, to um, really allow you to um, in, improve your scripting knowledge. Right. And I found that to be a very very good manual. And when I uh, come across people who do want to learn scripting. I actually still pass that manual to them because although some of, you know, some things have already moved on (laughs) as a lot of new technology, but the fundamentals are very, very good and that they're still worthwhile learning. Right. You did mention JSAY and um, maybe this is a good time to talk about what made you 
choose the Dragon Naturally Speaking product line um, and Jaws, what led you to pick those packages and kind of go in that direction? Well, Dragon was certainly the most popular product at the time. Back in 2003, um, I started to uh, write the JC product, and there were two products that we could have chosen at, the, at that point. One was Dragon Naturally Speaking, and one was called Via Voice, I think it was. Right. Um, and that wasn't really achievable. There was a lot more flexibility with Dragon. And although the voice recognition in Dragon wasn't what it is today, it certainly was much more accurate than the other product was. So really, it was a no-brainer. That was the one that uh, we, we started to go with. And um, it was just uh, a matter of uh, um, ensuring that a person, it had three main components at that stage. First of all, ensuring that the person could independently train the system so that it could recognize their voice. Then I had to get around the echoing of dictation because that's very important. So when a person speaks, they must be able to immediately hear back what has been said because without that knowledge, the blind person won't know what to correct. Right. And the last thing was to ensure that um, every single JAWS screen reading command <laughs> had a, a voice-based equivalent. Wow. Um, and that took a long time because obviously there are hundreds of those. Mm -hmm. Now, since then, obviously, we've developed our own features because we've uh, learned a lot more about how Dragon works, and more importantly, how customers are using that technology. Mm -hmm. One of the, the things I really like about going and, and visiting our customers, and particularly um, talking with people in the US and Canada, which I can do very easily now via Skype and the telephone, is that I, I get a really good understanding of not only how they're using the technology, but what the problems are, what problems they're encountering. And it's only by, it's only through that knowledge that um, I can extend the product and improve it. Without that, I could quite easily sit behind a desk here all day and, and come up with <laughs> thoughts and ideas. But there's nothing like actually being with people who are using the product. And I think that's, uh, that's why the product is, is, is um, as successful as it is. And what was it that made you decide to lean towards programming for hands-free computing? Was there like a family member who wasn't able to type or? Well, no, as I said, um, I uh, was actually uh, uh, teaching people in the 90s who were really struggling with the keyboard. Um, and for some people, it, um, just using the keyboard is not an option right. at all. They, they they don't have the ability to be able to press keys on the keyboard. Some people don't have any arms or hands, so they've got no chance right. of being able to use the web, even uh, write a document or send and receive email. They've got no hope of doing that unless technology is in place such as Dragon. So it was really by working with these people and by listening to the article from Sound Computing about 
Dragon, which was really my first introduction to it. It was those two things that really came together and gave me the the impetus to be able to um, produce this product. Right. And so how long did it actually take you to develop, say, the first, the very first version of JSA? Uh, it's difficult to think back, but probably about six months, I would think, um, before the first version came out. And it was actually launched at an exhibition in Glasgow in Scotland, uh, over here in the UK. And then obviously each version has evolved since then. We usually try to get out um, two versions per year. So um, it's, it's really always been a six-month cycle. And, and and what are some of the challenges that you face when you're developing for two different, very different software packages? Well, uh, the first thing is that um, most of the, the JC product now is based on JAWS scripting. So really, we're not talking much about um, um, creating Dragon um, access at all, because the JAWS scripting language is more sophisticated. And as we get further forward, we're going to have to employ some more external tools um, in order, because even the JAWS scripting language has uh, its limits. But I do think that I've pushed those limits as far as they can go, um, perhaps beyond what uh, a lot of other people have been able to do, because JAWS is not just making the Dragon program accessible. There are lots of features in there, uh, mini applications in their own right, if you like, uh, which are created entirely through the JAWS scripting language. So the commands that I create through Dragon are just a linking mechanism between the voice and what I'm able to create through JAWS. So that's really um, how, it, how it's been working. Uh, I guess in terms of the uh, linking the two programs together, the main thing I really have to think about is reducing the amount of speech, ex extraneous speech that the user hears. Let me give you a basic example. Let's say, for example, uh, we wanted to get into the um, the options um, dialog of Microsoft Word. Now, you could potentially, and a lot of people do, create uh, dragon commands to emulate key presses to do that. So if you were perhaps a sighted trainer or someone who didn't have any scripting knowledge, you can use the dragon um a scripting wizard to be able to emulate those keystrokes and create a voice command. So you could create a voice command for um, something like get options. You could call it that. And it would, within Microsoft Word, it would press Alt F and then T, which is the keystroke, uh, the key combination in order to get into options from the backstage view. Now, that might sound good on the surface. The only difficulty with that is that when the user speaks that command, JAWS is going to produce a lot of extra speech that you really don't want to hear. So it's you're going to hear that um, JAWS is navigating into the backstage view and then into the options dialog and so on. So if, if I do anything like that within JSA, 
one of the things that I have to do is to make sure that the user doesn't hear anything like that. And all they actually hear is that they're in the options dialog and what the first control is. So a lot of this is about testing each and every command and making sure that the user hears minimal speech. And is there just, you were saying there's just the two of you at the company. Are, are you the only scriptwriter programmer who does this? Yes, I am. Wow. That's a lot of work. Uh, it is a lot of work because we've got quite a few products now. <laughs> yeah. And we're definitely going to talk about those products as well. Well, why don't we talk about them right now? So, so in addition to JSA, what, what other products uh, do you develop? So we have a product called JDictate. Now, that is quite similar to JC in so far as it works with Dragon Naturally Speaking. But there is a marked difference between the two because with JDictate, it's a productivity enhancement tool. So JC gives you complete control over the computer. So every screen reading command, lots of our own utilities, as I said, to make voice recognition easier. You can navigate around the computer um, all without touching the keyboard. Now, with JDictate, it's very different. What it does is a, a small number of things. First of all, it makes various elements of Dragon accessible to JAWS, and um, you can um, navigate the dialogues of Dragon using the keyboard. It also gives you echo back of your dictation. We call that dynamic echo. And it allows you to um, manage the correction um, aspect of Dragon in an accessible way. So if it makes a mistake, if it mistranscribes what you've said, then you've got a very accessible way of being able to correct that mistake. And thereby Dragon learns how to transcribe it the next time. Um, there are also features so that you can actually in an accessible way, um, ha uh, dictate into a portable recorder, such as the Victor Reader Stream that you might be familiar with, and have that recording transcribed as text. Um, there are audio cues, for example, to alert you to when the transcription begins and ends, that sort of thing. So there is a real difference in the two products, and consequently, there's a real difference in price between them. Um, but those are the two Dragon-based products. We also have one called Lisi. Now, Lisi is uh, a product which has um, two components to it. The first is that it is for complete computer beginners. So what it does for those users is a number of things. It presents the user with a simple, easy to use menu system containing um, the applications or the tasks that a person would typically want to do with a computer when they're starting out. So that is write a document or letter, for example, manage their email, listen to the radio, um, uh, use the internet and so on. And there are also other aspects to it, such as being able to keep a diary, write an, um, manage an address book and so on. Now, the beauty of Lisi Basic, as we call it, is that the menu prompts are actually delivered in uh, using human speech, real human speech, not synthesized speech. 
And also that applies to the context-sensitive help because we have a help key and it will give you instructional information as to what to do when you're faced with a specific situation. So, for example, if you were on a link on a web page and you press the help key, you would get Lisi in her own voice telling you what that element is, what actually is a link for those who do not understand the technology and how to interact with it, why you would want to interact with it. Wow. Um, so within each supported application um, and environment, there is not only help information, but there's also what we call the Lisi application menu, which allows you to um, again, it's, it's a vertical list that so you can navigate through with the arrow keys. And it will um, allow you to do things like uh, send an email, open a message, close a message, that sort of thing. So again, common tasks. What we've tried to do, because a user does need eventually to get used to synthetic speech, right. is to gently introduce the user to the concept of synthetic speech. So for example, if you were navigating using Lisi's own voice and um, you chose the write a document option, um, then the, there will be a question that will be asked. And the first question which is asked is for you to name the document. So we ask you to name it first. And any question such as that is spoken using JAWS's default synthesizer. Okay, so that means that the user can gently get used to this whole area of synthetic speech, but it's not thrust upon them straight away. So that is Lisi Basic, but at the other end of the scale, there is Lisi Advanced. And all this can be purchased in one product. So you just toggle with a keystroke between Lisi Basic and Lisi Advanced. So, that, so there are some people who will just want to stay with Lisi Basic all the time. And that's absolutely fine. But Lisi stands for Learn, Enable, Advance, So Easy. And the whole idea behind this is that Lisi wants to build your confidence so that you can grow and take advantage not only of everything that JAWS has to offer by default, but also the many features that are available in Lisi Advanced that we've put in. So things like um, there's a, a radio directory that a person can take advantage of. There are many web-based utilities which make surfing the internet easier. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's say uh, that you uh, go to a web page and you are browsing that page and uh, you read something and you think that you want to um, be reminded of that later on. Um, a lot of people, a lot of sighted people, they can annotate books, for example. They can scribble in the margin an important note. Um, well, we can do that with a web page, a document, any any environment, in fact. Um, we can attach what we call a leasy sticky note to it. So if you've got a line of text 
and you think you're going to encounter that in the future sometime and you want to add a note to it, then you can add a leasy sticky note. And what will happen is when you encounter that in the future, it will play a little alert sound and it will tell you what the leasy sticky note is. We have um, something called a leasy alert, which you can set relative to an individual uh, web page. Uh, I think you can set it to a part of a document now as well, a uh, Microsoft Word document, so that when you encounter that in the future, um, uh, when you load up that web page or that document, it will instantly set focus to the relevant section and um, you'll be immediately in the right place. Now, a lot of people are using this in browser-based applications uh, in the workplace because they've got specific forms or, or web pages that they go to on a regular basis and they find that it's much easier. Again, it optimizes their efficiency. I guess, I mean, I could talk a lot about different features, but I guess one um, feature which people really do like is something called Leasy Search, which is a powerful tool that you can use um, irrespective of the application that you're in. It doesn't matter which program you're in to start with. You can bring up a list of uh, resources in Leasy Search. The basic idea is that you can search in any one of the resources. I think there are about 13 altogether now. So the first one, for example, is Google. And you might think, well, why would you want to be able to quickly search on Google? Why not just go to the website? Um, well, it means for some users opening their web browser, finding where the edit field is, making sure they're in forms mode, typing the search term, pressing enter, and then finding where the results start. Whereas with the Lisi search Google element, you just uh, bring it up, you type in your search term, you press enter, and you're on the web page, and the virtual cursor within JAWS is set to the first result. So we have tools like that. Um, you can search Amazon, um, and that is by country. Okay, so what it does is it detects which country you're in, and you're able to search um, the Amazon store relative to that country. So you're asked what you want to search for, and then you choose a department. You can have a global search, but we thought it was better, um, and it would bring back uh, better results if you could select a department to search within. So it could be digital music, it could be grocery, whatever. Um, and again, you um, are taken to the first result. There's a similar approach for eBay. Um, we did a very nice interface for the uh, NLS Braille and audio catalogs. It's like, again, a mini application in itself. So what you're able to do is to search the uh, NLS catalogs um, which is uh, very, very useful to do. You can search by title, author, narrator. You can get a list of the most popular books or the most recently added. But I think my favorite or one of my favorites is YouTube. Um, because what we did with this one is, um, yes, you can type in a search term for a YouTube video. You're taken to the first result and um, whichever video you activate, 
you're in the YouTube player, it obviously starts playing, but there are keystrokes um, specific to that that you can use in order to pause the video. You can skip forward and back. And as of the next update, which will be released next week, you can adjust the volume level as well of the audio playback. Um, and a lot of people do like watching YouTube videos for all sorts of reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> so th there's um, a very brief summary of, of Lisi, but I hope that's uh, given you an idea as to what it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and who do you find that, that Lisi is tailored towards? Well, we say every JAWS user should have Lisi. Um, and we really mean that there is something in there for for everyone so from the the person who has no idea about how to use jaws at all so it's i mean it's it's obvious from my description that it's very useful for those people but also um i would say the majority of our customers at the moment are jaws what i would describe as power users so people who have been using jaws for a long time but they they look at all these productivity tools that are that are in Lisi, and you can do that from the website and they think oh yeah i'd like a little bit of that um and it's amazing um the comments that we've received as to how more productive they are, not uh, just for, for home and study purposes, but also um, particularly in the workplace. Yeah, I've played with Lisi a, a bit as well. I have it installed on my system and it is very useful, very powerful. I've been a JAWS user since 1997. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's definitely benefits to having Lisi on your system. How do you find working with Freedom Scientific and um, the, you know, the cooperation between you and them? Uh, I can honestly say, um, not just because this is a public recording, but I can genuinely say. It's okay, don't worry, no one's listening. No. No, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. The relationship between us is absolutely um, amazing. Very, very good. Um, they, they don't do work for us. Um, but if we have a problem, they will um, either tell us how to solve it, or uh, if it's a problem specific to JAWS, then um, they will put it in the queue to be solved. Uh, I am a JAWS beta tester, so that does help, and I have been for a very long time now, probably, again, about 15 or 16 years. Right. Um, but no, absolutely fantastic uh, rapport between us. And they invited us to go to CSUN in March of this year um, to present in, in, their, in their room that they had there to deliver a presentation. And we were very pleased to do that. Um, but absolutely, um, they, they couldn't be more helpful to us. Right. And so there's talk of JAWS 18 being out, or public beta anyway, in October. What's, yes. What's kind of the time frame between the release of a new version of JAWS and the compatibility between the J products? Well, with Lisi, we're ready now. Okay. Okay. And also um, with our station playlist 
um, studio accessible broadcasting uh, set of scripts uh, for the station playlist broadcasting software. Um, that is also working. JDictate is also working. So if you have any of those products, you are going to be able to use them with JAWS 18. Great. We wouldn't recommend using with a public beta <laughs> because, well, you see, the, the, you could do, there'll be nothing yes. wrong with it. But I always think the purpose of a beta product is for testing. Yes. Now, a lot of people want to download it just because they want to get their hands on the latest and greatest technology. Right. But if you if you do that and you install something like Lisi or any of our other products into the mix and you report a problem to Freedom Scientific, that's not really a fair test. Right. Okay, um, because you could be reporting something which has nothing to do with the how how the latest JAWS beta is working. Now, obviously, we hope that our <laughs> we haven't caused too much of a problem, but you get the idea. It's not really a fair test. Mm -hmm. So we would recommend that if you want to install any of those products into JAWS 18, that you actually wait until the um the, the the first official version is released which is usually towards uh, october time i think end of october right um in terms of jc there is always more work to do um between the official first release of of a new jaws version as i've just put it um between that and us actually getting it ready because obviously what we have to do is we have to make sure that all the new features in the jaws update um, have equivalent voice commands and if we need to make any small modifications to those then that can be done so um there there is usually a two or three month delay okay between um, when the first new version of JAWS is available and us being ready with JSAY, because of course, once we have to, well, once we've done all the, the coding and everything, it has to go to our beta testers. They then tell me what's wrong with it. Right. <laughs> and then we have to document everything. And we always believe that the documentation for a product is just as important as the product itself. Sure. Because unless you document things properly, then no one's going to be able to use it anyway. That's right. Yeah. So um, there's a, there's, it's, it's not just a case of making everything accessible. It has to be tested and documented. And then once, um, once all that has been done, then we have to let distributors know, such as yourselves at Aroga, that we're actually going to release a new version of this product and this is what's going to be in it and make sure that uh, you guys are up to speed. Right. So it sounds like the development cycle pretty much mirrors both Freedom Scientific and Nuance as well. Yes, to some extent. Um, not quite so much with, with Nuance, but with Freedom Scientific particularly, it makes complete sense for us to be in tandem with them as much as possible. Um, with Nuance, it's a little different. So, for example, there is a new version of the Dragon series of, of products that is actually going to be released on the 1st of September. So we're not many weeks away from that. Um, that will be the Dragon 15 series. So as soon as um, that is available on the 1st of September, we'll be jumping right on that. 
seeing what we can do, obviously to to make it um, to make it accessible, and to make sure that um, uh, we accommodate the new features. Um, we do not have the same relationship with nuance as we do with Freedom Scientific. So um, we have to wait until everybody else can download the, the Dragon um, product and immediately buy it. In fact, we have it on pre-order. Right. Um, so as soon as we have it, uh, we'll be right on it <laughs> as fast as we can. Right. And weren't there changes made to, I think, Dragon 14? Like what, what versions of Dragon are actually supported? Well, most of the current versions of, of Dragon are supported. We have people who are um, working in government um, agencies and so on who are still using Dragon 12.5. Mm -hmm. um, so we are obliged, of course, to support those users. Um, so we do support Dragon um, 12.5, 13, and a few months ago, Nuance went through a rebranding, a very complicated <laughs> rebranding and renaming of all of their products. Yes. And what they have now is a product called Dragon Professional Individual, which to you and, and, and anyone listening is actually Dragon 14. Um, and this was an attempt to put the Dragon Professional product in the hands of people who perhaps couldn't have afforded it before. And they've done that, uh, but um, there were some access difficulties with it. Um, one of the things that um, we do in our JSA product is that we ensure that um, there are a number of commands that the person can say even if the microphone isn't effectively listening to them right so um, ordinarily the microphone is what we call awake or asleep well that facility was taken away from us with dragon pro individual um, and whether we will get it back in pro 15 i don't know but um, it was taken away from us but we reached a point where um, suppliers such as yourselves were unable to get Dragon Professional 13, which was the version that we preferred. So we had to do something in order to make sure that uh, people could have a reasonable level of access. So we did. Um, I was able to create some workarounds so that people could at least get the microphone switched on by voice and get the appropriate audio cue. Um, so we do have that. The, the recommended product at the moment is still Dragon Professional 13. But if that's not possible to get, we have a very good solution, uh, which quite a number of people are using now, which is the 14 series. Okay. So when they did that, like, did you reach out to Nuance and say, hey, you know, you've taken this functionality away. Is there any way that you could perhaps reintroduce it or? Oh, boy, did we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because obviously it's, it's really important to us um, and also to our um, many hundreds of customers. They rely on that functionality. Um, and there are other Dragon-based products um, I see on the internet in various forums. They are having the same problems. But unfortunately, um, 
we made no headway with it. Um, we we tried to get other companies involved who have perhaps have a closer relationship with Nuance than, than we do because we're we're very small and they perhaps don't think that we're particularly significant. Um, but nevertheless, unfortunately, uh, things just have continued as they are. So we look forward very much to seeing what uh, version 15 has in that regard. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've given you no indication whether or not they've, they've listened or, or you have no idea what's coming with 15. No idea at all. Where Where is this technology going, in your opinion? Well, there is uh, an emphasis on using voice recognition technology with mobile devices, and we um, need to get better at making sure that our software works in collaboration with uh, those devices. So using the computer with uh, your iPhone and making sure that material is transferred to and from, that sort of thing. So that's the, the kind of thing that is perhaps next on the agenda. But obviously, our immediate uh, priority is to make sure that uh, Dragon 15 is uh, is supported, and we look forward to finding out what nuance have got planned, and of course, in JAWS 18 as, as well, mm-hmm. um, any new features that are coming along there. You're also a broadcaster. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the radio station? Sure. <laughs> um, so, because, as I indicated earlier, we sell uh, the full range of station playlist products. So, that's uh, as a set of um, tools that um, many commercial broadcasters use, not just visually impaired, certainly not designed for the uh, visually impaired at all. Uh, a company called Station Playlist um, have, for many years now, produced products that allow um, people to uh, broadcast in a commercial terrestrial environment and also on the internet and also to manage a radio station. So um, all the scheduling and that kind of thing for some very powerful tools there. Um, Some time ago, I developed some scripts which again are built up over the years that give the blind person access to a lot of information that is just visible on screen. And these scripts are not reading the screen at all. They're talking and getting direct information from station playlist products. Um, So there we do have a a fantastic relationship with the developing company. So if we um, ask that a feature is made accessible or there's something that we would like put into the program that JAWS can get information from, um, they're only too happy to do it. So (laughs) that is wonderful. Um, Now, because of that, and because of the the interest that I have in audio production and broadcasting, um, we do have our own uh, radio station, which is online. It is team-fm.com. And... um, you will see that um, there is a a real emphasis on the music. So we're interested in playing good music throughout the week that people can work to in a non-stop music environment. Uh, Very, very very minimal interruption. Um, But on the weekend, we have programs not only from accomplished broadcasters, uh, some of whom are visually impaired, but also from 
extremely highly acclaimed professional broadcasters, uh, particularly over here in the UK. There are um, radio personalities who many UK citizens will know who have been doing broadcasting for a very, very long time. And um, their programs are on Team FM. And they they focus on a wide range of music uh, from real golden oldies through to the music of today. And I do mean the, 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 the real music of today, 2016. <laughs> That's not music, Brian. Um, Come on. <laughs> so, so people might want to check that out. Uh, we hope that our uh, website is, is very, very visually appealing. Um, but also um, accessible as well to anyone who is visually impaired. Um, and we hope that the site demonstrates that if it's, it's done well, then there can be a good mix um, for, for both um, um, cust- uh, client groups, if you like. And do you have like a, a weekly schedule of the show times? Yes, we do. And you can view that in your uh, own local time zone, whatever that might be. So uh, we're UK, but we understand <laughs> that people listen from all over the world. So you can select which time zone you would like to view the schedule in. And you can definitely do that. Um, for those who are interested, we also have um, the, the station can be found in most radio directories. But we also have our own um, iOS app, which we're very proud of. Um, again, like the website, it's, it's visually attractive, but completely accessible. And you can download that for free from the Apple App Store. If you just search for team-fm, uh, you will find it there. And we've talked a little bit recently about Android because I'm an Android user and you do have plans for an Android app. Yes, we do. We can't necessarily guarantee that the level of accessibility will be as high quality as the iOS app. But certainly, yes, there will be an Android app. Um, and and that will hopefully come in the next few weeks. If you want a beta tester, send me an email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we should actually just say, uh, where can people find the HeartGen Consultancy webpage on the web? Uh, they can find it um, either at heartgen.org, that's H-A-R-T-G-E-N.org, or heartgenconsultancy.com, one of the two. Um the uh, prices for our products are all on there uh, using uh, UK pounds and American dollars. Um, if people would like to call us, they can do that. There is a number, a phone number uh, relative to the US. Uh, feel free to use it. Great. And we'll make sure that we link to the to both the, the Hartgen Consultancy website and uh, Team FM in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. Well, and now I understand. Now it's speaking of the time difference. I know that it's it's late there, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. Well, we appreciate you uh, you coming on so late and, and chatting with us. Uh, it's, again, it's been an absolute pleasure being on the podcast, and uh, maybe when I have something useful to say, <laughs> I can come back again. No, we'll definitely Absolutely. have you back. And it's been really good information, Brian. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll let you go, Brian, and get the rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Um, 
It is interesting. Hands-free computing, you know, is sort of becoming a thing, you know, especially with Cortana built right into... Well, even your mobile apps, like we've been using Google now on Android for years. Right. You know, voice dictation, Dragon has had an app. I remember using it on my iPhone 3GS or my 4, you know, where you could dictate text into, you know, a notepad memo or an email or whatever, right? So, like, even a lot of times if I'm posting to Facebook, instead of using the virtual keyboard on the screen... There's right. a voice input button. I'll, I'll just dictate it because it's so much faster. Right. Right. And, I mean, hand-free computing, you know, is definitely something that Windows is interesting, interested in, you know, bundling straight into Windows 10 yep. with Cortana. And right now, I think that's limited to searches. Yeah. But they've had their speech recognition, I think, as far back as Windows 7, um, you know, where you can do basic dictation. You know, I don't know how accurate it was, but. Or even how accessible it was, but it's getting there. Well, and I think mainstream-wise, I mean, people have always dreamed about being able to Star Trek their computer, right? Just be able to talk to their computer and operate their computer through just voice commands. So, you know, it will be interesting to see if if we go that direction. Although I find, you know, personally for me, I I, I don't think I'd be very good at voice dictation. <laughs> well, because, <laughs> well, you know, the there's thing. a process, right? Like when there you're is. writing something, when you're composing an email, you know, there's a there's a process to that that I couldn't just... Otherwise, it would just be a stream of consciousness email, right? Well, and you really have to think about what you're going to say before you say it using voice recognition. Because when we're talking normally, there's a lot of ums and ahs and, you know, Dragon picks all that up. So you really kind of have to figure out your your sentence or your phrase before you dictate it so that it doesn't pick up those nuances. Yeah, it's just a different – it's a different thought process, I think. It is. Yeah. But but extremely useful, you absolutely. Know, you know, because that way you can be walking around, you can be, you know, doing whatever. You can be doing the dishes, and you could be dictating an email. Yep. So who knows? Who knows where the future is going to hold in that sense? Well, I'll go back to our previous episode on the brain. You could be thinking of dictating text. Well, that's dangerous, <laughs> now, too. Yeah, we're not there yet. Not yet. But maybe we'll One see. Day. It's exciting. It is. But I think that's it for us. That's it. Let's put her to bed. So we have an email. We do. You can reach us at atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website at www.atbanter.com. And we have a Facebook. And we're on Twitter. And we have a YouTube channel. And you can also find us on Google+. Good old Google+. That's right. I'm Rob Minot. And I'm Ryan Fleury. And we will see you next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A dot com. Music provided by bensound.com.